Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. Today we thought we'd talk a bit about some of the changes that are definitely and might be coming up in the next year, seeing as it is the start of a year and we can look ahead to, to the whole of 2020. Um, I'm sure there have been be new things thrown in there. Uh, thrown up along the way that we're not expecting but there are a few things that, that we can can predict so uh we were we, we were just running through them before this and uh, i think we we decided to switch on the microphones as we were talking about uh epcs yeah so that ex- i mean it's exciting isn't it epcs so exciting we thought we'd record it indeed yes <laughs> <laughs> this podcast full of excitement <laughs> but the truth is it is is quite important and we do need to to know these things as yep. property investors, landlords. Yep. So for, for quite some while, um, you've not been allowed to, to rent out properties with an EPC rating below E. Um, and of course, as, when you rent out properties as well, you have to provide an, an EPC certificate to your tenants. And uh, and coming up in, in April this year, um, existing properties or existing tenancies on properties, should I say, um, where the EPC falls below E are no longer allowed. So can landlords... I just quickly clarify? Because yeah, I like to do this, you know, when someone talks about things, just in case the, the people that listen. So EPC, we're talking about Energy Performance Chart Certificate. I certificate. Think. Certificate. Energy Performance. I could be wrong. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Which grades the performance or lack of, in terms of energy, of the property. Yeah, so it's how how energy efficient a property is. Yeah. Um. So if you've got a, a super duper uh, modern property, uh, you'll probably get an A or a B rating on it. Um. If you've got a uh, an ancient castle or something which which has no insulation and and no windows, then you'll you'll be down at the the F or worse <laughs> end of the scale. <laughs> you may have some castles in the Piffer family that yeah. <laughs> We haven't. No, no, sad, sadly not. <laughs> I would quite like a castle, though. Actually, uh, that's definitely on my uh, on my sort of dream list. If uh, if I ever make a, enough of a fortune, I'll, I'll, I'll put it down in your castle. objectives. Yep, put it down down. on the vision board. Yep, yep. Sort of uh, maybe not a twenty twenty goal, but perhaps a, a twenty thirty or twenty forty goal. Maybe. <laughs> um, I know what to get you for Christmas now: Lego, Lego castle. <laughs> actually, my, my son has got the uh, the Hogwarts. Castle, the, the the mini mini set. So the, yeah. the bricks. Or, I think the bricks are full size, but it makes a mini castle. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. But anyway, we, we've got a little sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about EPCs. Yeah. Um, so it measures all sorts of things. So ranging from uh, insulation um, through to how efficient the light bulbs are that, that you're using, um, and lots of things in between, and gives you a, an, an overall score for your property which is a good point because actually you get mini epcs on the light bulb boxes don't you and they show oh that i don't yeah i don't think they're epcs but they they include energy performance ratings of which, some description which yeah. is calculated in your epc i believe which is just a point you're making i think yep indeed yeah person um doing an epc will go around and look at the light bulbs in your property um and if they their job <laughs> And if they're energy efficient, um, they will um, that that will will help towards your your rating. And and if you if you've got old style light bulbs still everywhere, mm-hmm. um, one of the recommendations on on the EPC will actually be to 
um, to replace them with, with nice modern LED ones or, or similar. Yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because my initial reaction to it is, well, I, I want an energy efficient building, whether it's, you know, whether I, I live in it myself or whether I rent it out, I would want, you know, from an environmental uh, perspective, I would, I'd want it to be as energy efficient as possible anyway. So I think on, on that score, it's it's important because, as you've said, you know, we're looking at windows, doors, insulation in the loft, yeah, how it performs, you know, but, you know, it, electric perform, you know, all of that sort of thing, how it performs. Yep, indeed. I think what we were talking beforehand, before we decided to switch on the mic, was just around probably my lack of knowledge in the area because I'd only ever conducted an EPC in fact the last one I did was a few months ago with a new tenant but you were just talking about the fact that they last for 10 years yep indeed yeah you you do have to provide an EPC with a a new tenancy um but once you've got one it lasts for 10 years so you can keep reusing that that same EPC with with any new tenancies during that 10-year period uh, until it expires um and uh, and if you ever lose it as well um, because obviously it's the either a, a PDF or a physical thing, whatever. But if you ever lose it, they're all available online. Online, yeah. Um, so you can just put in an address of, of any property, probably most likely your own property, but any will do, um, and uh, and download the, the PDF version of an EPC. Well, there's an interesting point there because I've found that website, again, you wouldn't necessarily find me saying this out on the streets, but the EPC website is actually very useful when I'm doing some due diligence not just because, i.e. when I'm looking at a new property. So yes, it will tell me what the current performance is. So I've looked at properties before, which were whatever the lowest rating is, let's say G. Um, So I know if it's a G, we're probably looking, you know, I'd know this from looking at the property, but it would give me a good indication of how up to date that property is internally. And also a lot of them do have the square uh, footage. Yes, they do indeed. Yeah. Square meterage, so that doesn't always appear on right move. So I'll use yeah. that just to top up my knowledge in terms of overall floor space when I'm thinking about what I'm going to do with the property. And I know I've digressed a bit there, but I just think because the EPC website is quite useful. And again, you won't hear me say that often. It, it is actually, and the uh, the data behind it as well, um, which as you say includes square footage, the property address, the EPC rating. Um, number of rooms there's all sorts of other bits of information there um, it's actually publicly available as free. well and yep for free mm. um, and it's actually um, a data set that I'm working on importing into Patma um, to, to make oh, available for people to do due diligence more easily funnily enough <laughs> I was actually going to mention that so if you're using that, that those data sets yeah yeah it's um, it's not there yet but hopefully it will be in, in the, the next few months so, mm. as there are a number of different data sources that I'm looking at, uh, at bringing in and that's one of them. Yeah. So, uh, so we're just talking about what um, what EPC means, and you just said so it lasts for ten years. So again, that was really good knowledge for me, just to to know that. So actually, once you've got it, you've got it for ten years, and yeah, also the don't, cost. Don't be tricked into letting agents saying you have to renew it every year or every tenancy or anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, just to underline that point, it's it's a ten year thing. So, and also they're actually fairly inexpensive. Um, Yep. Not if you go through letting agents, just <laughs> FYI. What, what, what's your uh, worst uh, worst price you've had for an EPC then? Do you know, it was only a few months ago, but I'm sure. 
Well, it was a combination of inventory plus EPC. And I'm ballparking here. I can't remember the exact figure, but it was around 200 to 250 pounds, including the inventory. Okay. So, I mean, uh, so, I mean uh, an EPC, I would look to... I would expect you to be paying anywhere between fifty to hundred pounds, depending on where you are in the country and, and who you go with and things. I um, spent thirty-five pounds oh, with a guy good. that that is his only job, and I think that's the yeah. difference. So, yeah. so he's now gone got into my little folder. Efficient. Yeah, efficient, exactly. He 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 lives his work. He's efficient <laughs> himself. So he's gone into my little library of people that I'm now going to directly in this area because yeah. that's all he does. And actually, he picked up a couple of errors from previous EPC where you're just getting maybe people that don't have a sole vocation of doing that for a living that might be doing inventories and bolt on an EPC. And he actually just said they marked down an area of the flat. It's a studio flat because of a cavity wall. Again, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of this, you know, I don't focus on for too long, but it was just interesting that he'd pick some stuff up and just say, well, actually, I think your rating was slightly higher. And obviously, I'm happy happy with that. Thank you very much. So my view, my, I wouldn't want to be paying much more than, so now, obviously, £35 plus VAT, you know, that's 40. uh, For me, I think the range is 40 to 60 quid, but again, Mm -hmm. probably depends on where you are in the country and who's doing it. Um, but again, got the inventory done by a specific inventory business for under a hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah it, which all good. went online. So it's a separate conversation. But I guess my my uh, not my laziness, but my yeah my busyness meant that I would just just give it to one company and just say just do all of that. But actually, I'm now because I'm so focused on cost reduction. Yep. means you have to break these things up. But sorry, I yeah, digress. Right, yeah. So you, you would look at sort of 50 to 100 quid for a, an EPC? I think it's in that range. I can't actually remember your what properties I paid bigger. recently. Your properties are bigger, aren't they? Um, yeah, I mean, they're all three beds, so, so yeah. yeah, and three bed houses. So, so. No, and I'm just thinking, actually, just before people think that, you know, 35 quid's really cheap, I'm just thinking because that was on a studio flat. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, that it does vary depending on the size of the property. Yeah, yeah. So for 30 square, and that's what just made me think, yeah, because I'm talking about 30 square metres, which, to be honest, you know, much, isn't much uh, bigger than my front room. So, you know, when he's given that information, he knows. And you really. say you don't live in a castle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's a nice property. <laughs> I'll tell you what, actually, a good point. The property I rent, the EPC, I should see that. It's pretty low based on some of the gales we've been having. But anyway, don't want to digress again. <laughs> you should have seen that before you before you moved in. Probably did, Simon. Probably did. Uh, Probably wasn't that focused on it. Another bit of paper to, to put in the pile, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I have a pile of paper like that too. <laughs> so EPC, so but from April? Yep, from, from April. Um, any existing properties that are let that have a, a rating below E um, need to be improved. Yeah. Um, so it, it could be as simple as replacing the light bulbs might might push it up and, and over the threshold, yeah. um, or as you say maybe adding in cavity wall insulation or loft insulation or um, or whatever. But there's the once you get an EPC, it will come with a list of recommendations um, for what you could do to improve the property and the effect of that improvement yeah. as well. So you can you can sort of go down the list and say right, I need to do one, two, and three, and that will get me to a decent level. Yeah. 
And my question in my head is, well, why should I care about that? Well, you should care depending on what your strategy is. So for me, I do care because a large percentage of the, the properties I have are student rented. And one of the other properties I rent bills inclusive. So big drive that of mine. Matters for you. Yeah. It, 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 you know, I do give a yep, monkey's. Indeed. Yeah, so you, the more efficient you can make it, the cheaper your bills will be. Yeah, maybe not immediately, but over the longer term. Mm. You know, so I've put uh, things like timer stats in all of my properties, mm. which limit. Um, we'll have to talk about that another another episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so we should we move on then? So uh, another thing that's that's coming into to full effect um, in 2020 is Section 24. So this is a change to the tax regime mm-hmm. for um, private landlords, so in individual landlords, different for, for limited companies. Um, but it's been introduced gradually over the last few years, and it's the removal of uh, finance interest, so typically mortgage interest, um, as a, a claimable expense. So, Absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> I, I think most people would agree with you. Certainly, most people in property, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it, over the last few years, it's been been gradually introduced. So you've been able to claim twenty five, sorry, claim seventy five percent of it, then fifty percent, then twenty five percent, and from the tax year beginning April twenty twenty, you can no longer claim any of your mortgage interest or finance costs generally um, as an expense. Mm. Um, instead, you get a, a Twenty percent of those costs as a tax credit later on, but um, but the your, your mortgage interest, your finance interest, is initially counted effectively as as profit, um, which will push up your uh, your total profit, um, and in in certain highly geared scenarios um, and with expensive borrowing and things, uh, it is actually possible to end up making an after tax loss when you were previously making a before tax profit, which is a bit of a strange situation to be in. Yeah. But there you go. You'd like to think that most people would have adjusted what they needed to have adjusted by now with the relevant tax advice. But the thing that strikes me as strange about all of this, I think, is the... I understand and completely subscribe to the need to... to, I'm trying to think of an easy way to say this, but to better professionalise property investing and landlords yep. completely with that subscribe to that the bit that i don't understand is is how anybody can say that mortgage and you, you you've re, you've pointed out a really good point there you know that it's not just mortgage interest rate it's any uh, finance cost against that property or properties yeah but in any other business you know if you if you if you have a shop you know, you have rates on that shop, you have a lease on that shop. You know, that is a cost to the business in any other business. So why is it that if we rent, if, if we rent properties for a thousand pounds a month and it costs us a 500 pounds a month to provide that service, why we have to exclude that just doesn't make sense in, in any way, shape or form to me. Yeah, I agree. I, I cannot. Uh, I cannot justify it. Yeah, good. <laughs> I don't want to have a dust up today. No, no indeed. Though <laughs> um, while while we're on this topic, just before we move on, I will put in a little tiny plug for uh, for Patma, um, in so much as there is a 
uh, a free buy to let calculator on the site mm. which uh, which includes a section 24 impact calculation so you can yeah. use that for when you're looking at purchasing a new property or um or there's a remortgage version if you've got an existing property you want to do it on yeah um, and you could actually put sort of a whole whole portfolio figures into that calculator if you wanted to um and there uh, yeah it'll give you a little little table at the bottom make sure you scroll down um with yeah. uh, with the impact of section 24 and, and basically the, the profit or or not profit you'll make after tax and it's it's definitely worth looking at because as we know a lot of you know there's been a big well i don't know the, the exact figures but you know anecdotally we know there's been a a big migration towards limited company depending on the size of portfolio personally i still own uh two or three properties in a personal name which i am looking at addressing but actually not because of section 24 i'm looking at it for for other reasons um, that sounds like another episode being lined up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's probably more aligned to CGT to be to be yeah, open yeah that's on our, on our uh, to do list on already. The pad. <laughs> so yeah, the, the the bottom line is just know the numbers and uh, don't necessarily assume that yeah, if you've got one property, you'll be better off in a limited company because. Yeah, again, it's another conversation, but yeah, it, it can be very expensive to move properties into a limited company if you've already owned them. Yeah, if, if you're buying afresh, then it's different. But yeah, if, if you've got properties you need to move, yeah, get get professional advice, do the yeah. calculations carefully. Yeah, and as soon as you've got a limited company, this is a separate conversation. But the, the final point I'll say: as soon as you've got a limited company, you you have accountancy costs because I've got one property yeah. in one limited company that I do with it with another business, and you know the the accountancy fees are, you know negate a lot of the profit so be careful <laughs> yep. be careful out there all right i think next on our list is uh tenant fees so so last year the the tenant fees act came in uh which banned tenant fees were, were you affected by this particularly did you charge fees or did your agents increase their their fees where where they had been charging tenants before short answer is yes i've been affected by it but not in a huge way because only well one property's long-term rented mm-hmm. the other one actually does affect affect me because of the fees that have now been charged 250 pounds which might not seem like a huge sum of money but when you're dealing with 250 pounds at the beginning of a of a rental that that eats that you know takes a lot of the the revenue away but then on a large proportion of my portfolio 90 percent plus we we never charged fees anyway. Mm. Is that, that on the student lets? That's on students. Oh, interesting. Did yeah. the agents you use? Did they charge fees for, for the setup of those students? Or not? No. Yeah, okay. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite surprised because some of the horror stories you hear are from from students being charged crazy fees. So the, the model that I've had because I and this is one of the reasons I picked it, uh, I selected the letting agent that I did was they had a slightly different model and I subscribed to that model so it was no deposit no fees and something else which I can't remember uh, but essentially they had guarantors that they provided obviously the no deposit no fees meant, and no bills so no deposit no fees no bills gave us a bit of a USP a few years ago a lot of other yeah. uh, letting companies have now followed the same model so we're not quite as unique in the yeah. marketplace not not necessarily willingly, but yes. <laughs> They've had to. They've had to go that route. So so clearly that wouldn't have affected my business in that respect. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So um so the, the the change for twenty twenty is that the, the ban on uh tenant fees 
will apply to existing tenancies as well as, as new ones. Mm. So from, from last year, uh, new tenancies could not um, include any, any fees to tenants, um, but any existing tenancies that had clauses in them that, that defined fees were, were still valid. But from uh, June 2020, those clauses in existing tenancy contracts will no longer be valid. Um, so they they cannot collect fees any longer, e- even for existing and agreed contracts. The other element of the, the Tenant Fees Act was to limit the deposit that could be taken for, for tenancies, uh, or for new tenancies particularly, um, to five weeks in, in almost all cases. Um, and uh, and that, that has, has applied since last year and will, will continue to apply. Um, existing tenancies that have uh, larger deposits taken already um, can potentially be, be or can potentially have the difference refunded and there are uh, tools available in the uh, the custodial deposit schemes that allow you to refund the, the difference between uh, a bigger deposit taken and uh, and the five week limit um, although I, I don't believe that that's actually a, a requirement to do um, I think that's uh, that's optional so if you need to find out uh, how much uh, you can actually hold as a deposit. There's a, another a free handy calculator on Patma <laughs> for uh, for maximum deposit calculator, mm. um, and you can, you can go along to the website and find that in the in the free tools menu. I think that's all really on uh, on ten feeds. Unless you've got anything else to, to no, say in there, I, I don't think there's much more to say at this juncture. So um, there there are a number of other things that I'm sure are and will come in in, in 2020, um, and one of the the big ones that's been mooted uh, at the end of last year or during last year and uh, and committed to again by the new government is uh, is the ending of section 21 mm. so the section 21 is is the process by which you can uh, serve notice on a on a tenant um, with without reason basically um, in order to, to gain your property back uh, you typically have to give a, a couple of months notice um, but but the, the tenant has, has no sort of recourse against against that. Yeah. So we were talking about this briefly. And I think you quite rightly said, you know, we still don't know all the facts. So I'm, I'm we just know putting out there. a few of them. <laughs> because it's an interesting one. Because I see both sides of this. Because I'm actually a tenant as well as a landlord, property investor. So yeah. I, I feel I'm in a good position to be able to see this because... There are a lot of things I do agree with, and I think we have to take care of tenants, and we have to look after. And I'm not even thinking about myself here, but you know, we, I think most of us, morally, ethically, want to make sure that people that live in our properties are um, are not abused in any way. I think, and I think that's right. As a, and, and I think that they can really feel that it's their home. Yeah, above anything else. Yeah, I- exactly. And I, and I think I, personally, I feel that quite strongly. And. I don't want to digress, but I've got a tenant at the moment that's having some issues with the letting agent, and she's phoned me quite distressed. It's in a, in a multi uh, multi let property. She's been quite distressed, and I don't want to distract from section twenty four, uh, section twenty one. Sorry, <laughs> too many sections. And this is why. Yes, <laughs> there are too many bloody sections. But the agent kept bringing people round to show uh, the other rooms in the property without giving her the, the requisite amount of time, i.e. 24 hours. And mm. she wasn't happy about that. And after toing and froing, she's phoned me. 
And I said, look, if, if you're unhappy with that, if you want 40 hours, I'll give you 40 hours. You're, you're my tenant. You, you, you know, you're very good tenants. And, and that, that, that's a by the by, by the way. But I just said, you know, if you're unhappy with that, I'd happily give you two days. And she said, oh, I'm really happy to hear that because the agent said, you really want this other room rented and therefore they'll do what's necessary. And I said, yeah, I do, but I would never do that at the cost of making tenants unhappy. Yeah. And that's you. Mm-hmm. So if they said, well, the, the person coming in said, oh, well, I can only do it in the next 24 hours, then I just wouldn't let them view. It's as simple as that. And so... Have you had the follow-up conversation with your agent? I am now just reviewing an email which I got the tenant to send me. To be honest, the agent's been pretty poor. There's only so much I want to say on, a, on what's going to be a public <laughs> podcast yes, yes, great. At, at this stage. But I'm really unhappy with how they've behaved. Mm. Really unhappy with how they've behaved. Maybe we should uh, maybe we should park that one until the story's finished. <laughs> Let, let's, let's park that. But uh, bringing it back to Section 21, the, the point being that... We're trying to take care of, you know, the tenants. So the, so the, the point is we're, we're trying to look after tenants by giving them greater rights. And as a, la- as a landlord, I would accept that. But where does it end? So if, so just back on track, if we've got a contract and you or I were having a little debate about AST versus, so in a short, short hold tenancy, which in my mind is a short agreement, i.e. six months, an AST is six months agreement. If, Section 21 is abolished, meaning we can't serve notice without a good reason. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that, that actually there is no short hold tenancy because even if someone had signed a fixed term agreement for six months or a year, you can't then just at the end of that period say, thank you, I need the property back. But that opens up the can of worms about what if we're going to sell it, if we want to move back into it myself. Yeah, it does open up a very big can of worms. Um, uh, Section 21 is used for um, a a whole plethora of reasons. Mm. Um, Obviously, sometimes for landlords needing the house back for whatever reason. Uh, Sometimes it's actually just used as a simpler way to um, evict tenants that are not paying rent. So there's another um, route to, to evict tenants in that situation, Section 8. Um, just about to say it's section eight, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Um, and there, there's a number of different grounds in section eight. Um, and the, I think the, the current proposal is that there will be extra grounds added to section eight for things like a landlord wanting the house back to sell and things like that. Has to be, doesn't it? There has to be um, some way. Yeah. But, um, but the problem with, um, uh, section eight is that it can be, um, it can be much more easily opposed. Um, and you can find yourself having to go through court in order to enforce it more often and less reliably than with Section 21. Um, back to your point about whether whether you would still be able to have a short-term tenancy. Um, I think perhaps the answer is is not. Um, I, I mean, I think AST is still what they'd be called. And AST is currently, if you, even though they may have a, an initial fixed term of six months or 12 months, uh, they will then automatically turn into a rolling contract after that anyway, which can then only be terminated by Section 21 or Section 8 notice. Um, but, uh, but yeah, without Section 21, um, then yes, the uh, a standard AST will will have no no end to it, I, I assume. Yeah, I think the wording is, well, in my mind, it's semantics. I'm sure there's a legal 
uh, connotation around yeah, short. I, I should add, we are not lawyers. <laughs> um, <laughs> do not take anything we say as legal advice. <laughs> Simon, before you continue this, I did half an A. I did half an A level on law, which definitely makes me not a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I don't think I even finished AS level. Didn't have the commitment. No, so absolutely right. We we are. As we say in the intro, we are just property people chatting about it. But I think it's it's a really interesting one because, uh, yeah, I'm sure there are legal connotations that will be to the wording of it and, and more learned people in the legals on this than us will, will hopefully sh- you know share more on it. I think for me, where as we're talking about this, where I come to is the issue always lies with the problem tenants, doesn't it? That's, that's the concern for me. Is, yeah, exactly, yeah. And touch wood, and, and fortunately, I haven't had that many. I've, I've had a couple of narrow escapes. I don't know what your experience has been. I've but had some interesting experiences, but anyway, another time. <laughs> yeah, but if, you know, when you get that that problem tenant, and we've, we've all heard about it in property circles, the likelihood is you're going to be serving Section 8 anyway. You'd imagine that, that rents aren't going to be paid and the guidance for them is usually stay put until you get evicted, which unfortunately for for, for for the landlords means you're going to have to follow that process. So so where I get to is, without knowing all the information, it, it sound, doesn't sound great and I'm not liking the sound of it. But as you've quite rightly said, I think we need to know a little bit more and I'd want to know more about what happens at the end of tenancies because that's the key for me is... We might sign up a property for a year knowing full well that we're going to be doing other things with that property. And I've done that very recently where I developed a property mm-hmm. and rented it for six months knowing that that property was either A, going to be, well, mostly going to be sold. So we're going to redevelop that property, but I just needed someone in there. I'm about to do that again. Yeah. So what happens there? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we, don't. Um, we don't. And the, another complication that I've seen other people bring up uh, with the removal of Section 21 is the ability to serve Section 21 on a tenant um, is removed in certain scenarios. So, for example, when you don't serve the correct paperwork at the beginning of the tenancy or you don't protect a deposit, um, that your punishment as a, a bad landlord is to not be able to serve a Section 21. Mm. So then when Section 21 doesn't exist at all, what's what's your punishment for, for doing bad things mm. <laughs> at the start of a tenancy? I, no, no one knows. No. So there's, there's there's lots and lots of details still to be sorted out before uh, yeah. anything becomes... And there must be... You know, I work in a land in, in consultancy with contracts a lot of the time. And I, I would imagine... Again, we're talking about people living in homes. And it's very it's right to, to talk about that. But if you create a contract where up front we're saying this is no more than a two-year contract. It is a two-year contract. By signing this contract, you agree that it's a two-year contract and you agree that at the end of the two years, you will be vacating the property. But, you know, I'm pulling faces which don't come out on a podcast, but surely, (laughs) you know, that would mean it. Unless, you know, and again, if you've got a caveat in there, unless in the three months towards the end, you agree a new contract... Do you know what I mean? So that yep, I know what you mean. And yeah. I don't know the answer. No, no, neither do I. But I'm just saying, you know. So that's for me. Yeah, I, w- I don't want to say the words. That would be common sense, but because we all know, uh, common sense doesn't apply when you're talking about the law or tax. 
<laughs> or, or the government's uh, instruction around the law and tax in relation to property. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, we've uh, we've overrun a bit, so um, we have. I think we we should uh, bring things to an end here. Um, the show notes should include a couple of links to uh, some articles with some some more details on these things. If you uh, if you're desperate to to read more, um, and they can be found at thebusinessofproperty.com.